they were all corrupt. Hillary Clinton and her cadre of lawyers and lackeys, James Comey and his parasitic puppets, Bob Mueller and his team of unscrupulous partisan hacks, the odious Glenn Simpson and his smear merchants at Fusion GPS, and of course, the obnoxious media stooges who obsessed over Trump-Russia collusion without a shred of credible evidence. They broke every rule in the book, all of them. Sewer rats have more ethics. That, in sum, is what we've learned from the federal trial of Michael Sussman, the morally challenged attorney who knowingly peddled phony information to the FBI, the CIA, and the press to frame Donald Trump both before and after the 2016 presidential election. It was all a hoax invented by Hillary personally, funded by her campaign, and disseminated on her orders by her sycophants to the malevolent media to destroy her opponent and boost her own chances of winning the White House. The scam also had the added benefit, as declassified CIA documents show, of distracting from Clinton's own damning email scandal. Thanks to Comey's abuse of power, she escaped criminal prosecution for that. Feeling emboldened, she manufactured a brand new scandal to defame Donald Trump. The contemptible mainstream media served as witting accessories to the fraudulent conspiracy, blinded by their unabashed scorn for Trump. They were all too willing to run asinine stories of Kremlin collusion without ever bothering to verify or corroborate any of it. Evidence? Facts? Proof? Forget about it. That stuff is for chumps. When it comes to sliming Trump, there are no journalistic rules. Frankly, I don't care whether Michael Sussman is convicted or not. He's dead-bang guilty. Any average moron can see that. But with a Washington, D.C. jury chock full of Clinton supporters and donors, well, I don't hold out much hope that justice will prevail. A perversion of justice is more likely. What matters, though, is that special counsel John Durham has finally unraveled the cascade of lies and misfeasance that enabled the greatest mass delusion and dirty trick ever perpetrated in American politics. It has been laid bare for all to see during the Sussman trial, which is precisely why ABC, CBS, NBC, and MSNBC have refused to cover any of it. The same news organizations that were addicted to spreading collusion lies have now chosen to embargo the truth. Reporting on it now would be a public admission that they were reckless and wrong. God forbid that journalists would ever offer a sincere mea culpa or an apology. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Watching the news, seeing the horrors around our nation and beyond, 
The suffering in Ukraine, those left behind in Afghanistan, and here at home, parents trying to feed their kids and fill their gas tanks. Well, I have a warning for you. Inflation and tax hikes are Biden's only way out of our $28 trillion federal debt. If you want to protect your hard-earned money, your IRA, your 401k or savings, you can do that with physical gold and silver. Call now, 855-665-0767 to get your free gold IRA kit. That's right. Call 855-665-0767, and my friends at Gold Co. will give you up to $15,000 or more in free silver with a qualified account. Gold Co. has helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and tax hikes and the uncertainty of this economy. Protect yourself and your family. Call 855 855- 665-0767 now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. I am reluctant to say that I told you so, but I did. I published a book four years ago titled The Russia Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton and Frame Donald Trump. I then penned a follow-up book a year later called Witch Hunt. The point is, in those books I presented irrefutable evidence that the collusion story was nothing more than fiction conjured up by Hillary Clinton and her Confederates. The anti-Trump dossier was pure fabrication. The Alpha Bank back-channel communication between Trump and Putin, that was nothing more than a clever con. As I expected, I was roundly mocked, ridiculed, and demeaned by members of the media who declared in unison that I was wrong. They insisted that Trump was a covert Russian asset. They maintained that charade even after Bob Mueller, despite his best efforts to find otherwise, concluded that there was no collusion conspiracy between Trump and Russia. Maybe the New York Times and the Washington Post just didn't want to return their Pulitzer Prizes for getting the story wrong. Perhaps the broadcasting cable networks didn't want to see their ratings crater even further by admitting they were incompetent fools. Whatever the reason, their absence of self-examination and failure to address their own epic blunders is reprehensible. Yet it's not unexpected. Any responsible news organization would view the Sussman trial as an opportunity to right the wrong. By reporting honestly for a change, journalists could resuscitate the respect they squandered. But that would require the kind of moral compass that the media conspicuously lacks. So the blackout will continue, guaranteed. The most stunning revelation from the trial so far came from none other than Hillary's campaign manager, Robbie Mook. His testimony proved the truth of Durham's overall case that Clinton personally approved the plot to leak the bogus Alpha Bank collusion story to the media. It landed in the courtroom like a bombshell. Amazingly, it was the defense that called Mook to the witness stand, not the prosecution. 
It was a daffy move. Experienced defense attorneys know that it's unwise to call a witness unless you absolutely need to do so in establishing a major point. Why? Because the risk that that witness may implode on cross-examination is always severe. So here, Mook served only a minor or marginal purpose for the defense. He didn't have to take the witness stand. He testified that the Clinton campaign did not direct Sussman to pass along the Alpha Bank material to the FBI. So what? The campaign's intent is irrelevant. The defendant's intent is what matters under the law. Sussman billed the campaign for the FBI visit. He lied about who he was representing. He put his lie in writing by stating in an email that he wasn't there on behalf of a client, only himself. Why'd you bill the client? Was it a material lie as the law demands? Absolutely. FBI agents testified that had they known that Sussman was acting on behalf of Hillary, they would have recognized the purported evidence for what it was, a political smear engineered by Trump's opponent. The recipient of the lie, former FBI general counsel James Baker, also took the stand and he dropped his own bombshell. He testified he was 100% certain that Sussman informed him he was handing over the Alpha Bank data as a concerned citizen, not on behalf of a client or a company. It was a lie. Baker further stated that if he had known that the accused was doing Hillary's bidding, he probably would have rejected the meeting entirely. The trial has also exposed a torrent of lies and deceptions by others. For example, top FBI officials actively concealed from their own field agents that it was Sussman who had peddled the phony collusion documents. Instead, the agents assigned to investigate them were told that it all came from the Department of Justice, giving the case the imprimatur of greater credibility than it deserved. It was completely untrue. It didn't come from the Department of Justice. And that hobbled the Bureau's ability to debunk the data. We've also learned that the FBI eventually concluded as early as January of 2017, just as the new president was about to take office, that this so-called back-channel communication evidence was nothing more than a hoax. The agency had already determined that the Clinton-funded dossier was a hoax. So, with all of that, did Comey come clean and tell the truth to Trump or Congress or the American public? No. Comey hid all of the exculpatory evidence that the new president was the innocent victim of a monumental dirty trick. Instead, Comey, Andrew McKay, Peter Strzok, and other bad actors at the FBI exploited this counterfeit evidence as a pretext to escalate its investigation of Trump to drive him from office. When Comey was fired, he stole government documents for the admitted purpose of leaking them to the media to trigger the appointment of a special counsel who just happened to be his longtime friend and former colleague, Robert Mueller. 
A nearly two-year-long investigation followed that dragged Donald Trump through the medium mud, damaging the nation politically and did enormous harm to his presidency. It was Hillary's lie that started it all, and it constituted an obvious crime, to wit, conspiracy to defraud the government. Will she ever be held accountable under the law? No. She has managed to escape prosecution just as she beat the legal system in her email scandal. She is a privileged member of the protected class. Hillary is above the law. The words equal justice under law are meaningless when the scales of justice are tipped with partisan weight. Lady Justice is not blind. She peeks beneath the blindfold. And if she spots a Democrat, all is forgiven. If she spies a Republican, she hurls the book at him. Joining me now is Alina Haba, a lawyer for Donald Trump who has been inside the federal courtroom for the entirety of the trial. Alina, thanks so much for joining the brief podcast. Appreciate it. You've as I say, been there watching the lawyers, watching the witnesses. But I imagine as the good lawyer that you are, you're also sort of keeping an eye on the jury. Uh, And I used to do that when I was trying cases, because now and again, you can really pick something up from a a single juror, a group of jurors who react a particular way to testimony, uh, or jurors who make it abundantly clear they're not paying attention and don't really care for a particular witness. They often sort of have an expression of disgust on their face. So (laughs) as you've been watching this unfold, what's been the reaction from the jury? I think there are shockingly a lot of interested jurors. They seem highly focused. I will say that. I'm surprised. I'm shocked. I, I, I was surprised too. There was one or two that, tend to come in a little bit later. Um, I, you know, when you're walking outside the hall, you see which jurors stroll in later, maybe aren't taking it as seriously. They're a little bit younger in age and maybe less interested in the, um, the gravity of the case that they're watching. I don't think they really have the perspective to appreciate it. But for instance, there's a juror that's come up a couple times in the public um, who raised a concern about her daughter being the coxswain and um, captain of the rowing team. And I have to say, I was impressed with her honesty and her articulate uh, sense of the situation and the fact that she said, according to her, that she could be impartial. So I'm not as skeptic as most Washington jury pools would have you be. Um, I'd like to think that there is a little bit of light at the end of this tunnel. Um, But in terms of any big gasps or reactions, they're quite reserved. I don't think this judge is tolerating much of anything in terms of um, dramatics, for lack of a better word. You know, uh, what struck me as I was, you know, reading through uh, the accounts of the jury selection is that there were so many jurors who at least claimed they didn't know anything about this whole Trump-Russia collusion Mm -hmm. hoax, Mm -hmm. Um, which I (laughs) I mean, I find hard to believe. 
But, you know, there are people out there, you know, as a journalist, as a lawyer, I, I get sort of tunnel vision on these subjects, but there are people out there who lead busy lives. And I, I you know, maybe they weren't paying attention to uh, the whole scandal, uh, the Robert Mueller uh, revelations and report that there was no Trump-Russia collusion conspiracy and so forth. But but right. these jurors really didn't, weren't paying attention to any of that? Listen, I, Greg, I'm as skeptical as you are. We're both, unfortunately, uh, daunted by our ESQ. And it, right. it's difficult to not think that maybe this juror is possibly trying to get on the panel so that they can change the dynamic and have a um, unintentionally swayed verdict. But I can tell you that there definitely are a few that I don't see as, and, and, you know, who knows what people do in their homes and what they read, but right. there's a younger group. And as somebody who has family members who never followed politics dramatically, and I have both ends of the spectrum, I have family that was very interested. And then I have family that never watched the news and have no idea who Robert Mueller is. It's not as sensational as you might think in the 35 and under, I would say, um, group. And, you know, my, I have, like I said, I have members of my own family that, you know, now I tell them about my cases and they have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I actually don't think so. I am, maybe I'm, I'm not yet jaded completely, but I have a little glimmer of hope on this one. You know, uh, the subject matter is very complex because there were so many deceptions, so many lies. Do you think these jurors are sort of comprehending the overall picture of what unfolded here for the the course of the Trump presidency, these false accusations uh, and the, you know, the the lies in particular that were spun by not just the defendant, Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman, but others, as it's been conveyed to them through the testimony in court? I think that the text message that they showed from Michael Sussman to the general counsel, Jim Baker, which clearly stated, I need an emergency meeting. I am not coming for a client or for anyone other than myself. That speaks volumes. And as someone sitting there, I could imagine, and I tried to put myself in their shoes, that that is what they're going to remember. They're going to see that text message that was put on the screen that clearly stated that Michael Sussman did intend to obstruct justice by deceiving the FBI and stating that he was not coming with the intention of defrauding or manipulating the FBI where I do think it's going to become a little bit confusing is there's been a tremendous amount of FBI testimony, especially over the last two days. And that FBI testimony has shown that some, some, especially the seventh floor, they call it the seventh floor is all the executives of the FBI, the Comey's, the, you know, bakers of the world. Andrew McCabe. McCabe, right. Peter Strzok. These institutionally (laughs) known anti-Trumpers effectively, they, were definitely gung-ho about pushing this forward today. We heard testimony that said that they, under no circumstance, were going to allow the agents in Chicago not to investigate this matter. So they're going to get confused as to 
how many agents actually knew Michael Sussman because he was well known in the FBI, knew he worked for the DNC, knew he had a history of working for them. Mm -hmm. And the fact that legally in this case, all they have to prove is that he had an intentional um, facts and circumstances, which led the FBI to believe that he was not coming on behalf of anyone. And that that would have resulted differently in terms of what level of care, what concern, um, they spoke a lot today about, you know, the fact that they had full um, a full access to the FBI and they put this at the highest level of investigations, to put it in layman's terms. And had they known that Michael Sussman was working for the DNC, that would not have been the case. So they in other words, that makes it a material lie. The government has exactly. to prove, A, that it was a lie, mm-hmm. uh, B, that it was an intentional lie, and C, right. that it was a material lie. Now- the lie, Sussman was foolish enough, dare I say stupid enough, to put his lie in writing. Right, so right? stupid. I can't understand it. Yeah, I mean, it just it astonishes me that right. a lawyer who is engaged in a corrupt act would actually put the evidence mm-hmm. of his intent right. to lie in right. writing. So they, the, the government has established, A, there's been a lie, and B, there has been the intent to lie because it's in Correct. writing. It's the materialness that's going to be It's the materialness question. that, right. it, you know, that Sussman is going to say, well, it was an itsy-bitsy, teensy-weensy lie <laughs> that didn't really matter, and thus it wasn't important enough to be material under the law. But these FBI agents have taken the witness stand and they've essentially said, but for mm-hmm. that lie, it, we would have approached this differently. Exactly. We, we right. would not have, we would have recognized it for what it was, a smear had we known that Sussman was working for Hillary, right? Right. And, the, and the, an important note on that is that today we heard um, from Curtis Heidi, who is the agent who was on the paperwork with uh, Miss Sands, who was the lead agent in Chicago dealing with this. Now, Curtis today said something that's very important. He testified that there was multiple times, and not only did he testify, but there was evidence proving the same. There was text messages, uh, what they call linking, or between the FBI agents, they have this communication system. And in those communications, he specifically requested numerous times that he needed to speak to the source. Right. He said, I need the source. I need the source. And here's where I, I'm worried that the jury will get confused. Now, for my case, it's great because it doesn't matter. It shows the FBI collusion and all of that. For this case, they have to show that the FBI really didn't know and there was a material miscommunication or misrepresentation that led the, the FBI to, to go down a different road. The FBI then said, look, we're not identifying the source. That's where I'm concerned the jury's going to get confused. Yeah. They, and connected to that, we learned that you know the FBI was lying to their own field agents who were assigned to conduct the investigation. So Baker is the recipient of the lie, and he decides – Oh, I'm going to treat Sussman as a confidential source, right? <laughs> and, and we're yeah. not even going to tell our own agents who right. the source is. And in fact, we're going to lie to them. Right. We're going to tell them that the information came not from Hillary Clinton's lawyer or Michael Sussman or whatever they believed at that time. We're going to tell them it came from the Department of, of Justice, Justice. Yeah, that was which amazing. it didn't come from. 
Right. I mean, when you're lying to your own FBI agents, it really takes your breath away. Yes. No, I, 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 I say this and I know that, you know, on TV, we obviously speak about this extensively, but I can't stress enough. Uh, it is so alarming. You know, if you're not Donald Trump and you can't spend 20 plus million dollars defending yourself against these corrupt, politicized agents, the FBI is the only entity and our, our judges are everything that's supposed to regulate the Constitution and everything right in this country to me has fallen apart. And it's so frightening as a normal individual, if you just take Donald Trump out of it and you take away his wealth and his success and you say, I'm a normal person and the FBI is going to come at me and they're going to make things up. I'm toast. I'm toast. That's frightening to me. It is. And it's always been frightening to me. The immense power of the federal government and its chief law enforcement agency, the FBI, unlimited resources, manpower that, you know, is so uh, mind boggling, the thousands and thousands of agents that they can tap and devote to any particular case. The average person is no match for that. And, no. uh, you know, even the president of the United States, when people like uh, James Comey and Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok and the whole gang decide they're going to go after him with a vengeance and act with impunity, I mean, it's very, very difficult to defend yourself. Um, and, you know, in testimony and, and documents, we've learned in the last couple of days how, quote unquote, fired up. The FBI leadership was, including James Comey, over this, what turns out to be completely bogus evidence that Sussman Mm -hmm. gave the Bureau. I mean, that that speaks volumes, does it not, as to how enthusiastic James Comey and his Confederates were to get Trump. Greg, he took notes from the FBI. I mean, you know, we heard... I stole, you are not permitted to take your notes when you leave the FBI. If I go work at the White House, I can't just take all my stuff and take it with me. And, and, you know, we all know this. And if it's Donald Trump that does it, we're all in jail, you know, me included. Everyone's going to jail. But it's disgusting to me that, and this is why I fight the way I do. It's not about who I represent, and I appreciate who I represent, but it's about the country. Peter Strzok is walking around suing Donald Trump for wrongful termination. The man was in cahoots with McCabe and with Comey. He's going around say with texting his lover, mistress, that he wants to get Trump. And then he turns around and sues him. If this was Trump, look at look at what's happening in Washington right now. Look at what's happening in New York with the attorney general, all these cases that I'm handling. The imbalance, the inequity is why I fight so hard. And it's really got to stop. And I'm hoping this jury will start that process. I know Durham's fighting hard and I I do appreciate his team. I think they're doing a good job. You know, all these guys are so contemptible. They're so odious as human beings. Peter Strzok, Andrew McCabe, James Cummings, they're out peddling books, right? Profiting from their own wrongdoing. And, you know, some of them like, you know, McCabe, you know, is a paid contributor to the media, the same media uh, that, you know, disgracefully uh, became witting accessories to the hoax. 
and kept insisting that Donald Trump is a Russian asset without a shred of evidence. You know, <laughs> so I mean, they're all they're all in bed together. It's and they're it's, still doing it. Look at the Washington Post's article. I know. I mean, did you see that today? That's terrible. Yeah, they, again, Hillary Clinton fate. didn't trigger, you know, the Russia probe. She didn't do it. Yeah, she, she did. Someone say she did it. Were you in court? I was. I mean, it's unbelievable. They will pedal and pedal. But I will say there's times where I think this is this is the operative time where, you know, you can either put your big boy pants on and say, I'm in it for the long run. I'm going to be a news, a journalist, an outlet that people can trust. And I'm going to admit when I'm wrong, but the mad owls of the world, the Washington posts of the world, they're going to double down and they lose credibility. I think the country is waking up to that. We want the news. We don't want you to peddle what we're supposed to know. We want to judge. We want to use our own judgment um, to assess the situation. And that's really lacking. Well, I mean, as I said in in my introductory remarks, sewer rats have have greater ethical standards <laughs> than than the media. And I mean, you just look at any of the polling uh, data, and and right. you know the the distrust of the media is really pretty stunning. Uh, most Americans just don't trust the media because, in particular, here there's no apology, there's no mea culpa. There, the, you know, why hasn't the New York Times and the Washington Post returned their Pulitzer, Pulitzer prizes? prizes. They're getting I the know. story fundamentally wrong. And these are the same folks who attacked me for getting the story right in two books that I wrote as far back. Is 2018, but well, Greg, we're equally attacked by the media, so that must yeah. mean that we must be reporting the truth in some regard. I think that it's really a testament to saying things that they don't want you to hear, which is the truth. And the more they attack me, the more I know, you know, and you should know, we're doing the right thing. We're pulling the truth out, and we're being heard. Yeah, that's important. Um, so we, go- I want to go back to something that the Durham team, the prosecution, said to the jury. Um, be, because it was so, it was so poignant, so important, uh, and and that was in the opening statements when they said, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, conjured up this lie and funded the lie and peddled the lie, disseminated the lie with her confederates mm-hmm. um, to create an October surprise, and they mm-hmm. wanted to use the FBI to actively interfere. In mm-hmm. a presidential election. That to me succinctly described the entire hoax. It does. It does. Um, it's just the most basic problem. It, it, the October surprise is it. And uh, actually, Robbie Mook testified perfectly. Uh, that was, as you said, actually, very articulately on Fox the other night. You said, Uh, You have to know who you're putting on this stand. And as a defense attorney to make a mistake, like putting Robbie Mook, thinking he's going to give you some great probative evidence, and then it turns on you. Robbie Mook testified that October surprise in its essence is that you put information out that is so detrimental to the candidate and they have no time to respond so that it flips the election. Right. And then they pulled up an exhibit which showed Hillary Clinton retweeting Jake Sullivan's memo on the Hillary Clinton for America campaign letterhead saying, Hey, right. God, Trump has a server. Never mind that Hillary was being investigated for her own deleted emails and servers. Right. Oh my God, look at this shiny ball over here. That's an October surprise. And that's the theme. 
The problem we yeah. have here that, you know, I hope the jury gets, and if they don't, I'm definitely drilling it down in my case, is that they tried to use the guise of these attorneys. We heard this today. On the top of a letterhead, they put attorney-client privilege. Okay, just because you slap attorney-client privilege on everything doesn't mean it's attorney-client privilege, but that's what they did with Jaffe. And this is the whole thing with the October surprise. Not only did they plan an October surprise, not only did they peddle it, fund it, but they tried to hide behind an attorney. To me, that's the biggest deception. I take it my really is. Seriously. Well, you know where she got that when she served as a young staffer on the Watergate committee, right? Uh, well, she talked she, it. <laughs> she learned uh, firsthand Richard Nixon's dirty tricks. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, Nixon was famous for using lawyers to do his dirty work for him so he could hide behind the attorney-client privilege. And now, Correct. you know what, 40 years, 45 years later, Hillary has done the same thing. And, you know, they continue, the campaign continues to resist, uh, you know, turning over documents claiming attorney-client privilege. The documents are highly incriminating, I suspect. Um, and amazingly fusion GPS tried to pull the same thing and to some extent has succeeded only, I think 22 of the documents they had to cough up the other documents, you know, they allege is covered by attorney client privilege. You know, this is the salacious, uh, oppo research firm fusion GPS. So Clinton campaign hires Perkins Coie, who hires Fusion GPS, who hires Chris Steele, who goes to Igor Danchenko, who goes to Charles Dolan, who are all Hillary people that provided him with the phony information for the the dossier. dossier. But has much come up in court about Glenn Simpson and Fusion GPS? Because, I mean, they were instrumental in perpetuating and and perpetrating the hoax. Right. The way I... I think our complaint lays it out, which I think is a really clean way to think of this. This is, is your racketeering case. This is my RICO case. This is on behalf of Donald Trump. And he is the only person that really has standing here to say, I mean, obviously the government does, but in terms of damages, in terms of reputational jam- damages, you know, the way I think of this, and this is the best way I would love the American people. And I swear when I have my trial, which I'm sure I will, because God forbid they admit they did something wrong, there will be two lines in Perkins Coie. There's the Michael Sussman line, which is what we're hearing today and and this past two weeks. The Michael Sussman line goes down with Rodney Jaffe, new star who today we learned is BV Group and uh, all these other names, you know, they, they, they cover themselves up with different entities. And then you have Mark Elias who acted like he knew like nothing that was going on with Sussman, even though Sussman was a partner in his firm, was also representing the DNC, also represented Hillary Clinton. They, he, he acted as if he knew nothing. Now Elias's line is the line that you're going down, which is the fusion GPS and goes down to Denchenko. And then of course, um, discusses the dossier, which is infamous. But I think of it in two lines of attorneys who happen to work for Perkins Coie, who to me is just the most unethical um, practice I've ever seen. The fact that they tried to hire Baker while he was under investigation by the DOJ is in (laughs) itself telling. Um, But that's the way I think of it. So no, this, this trial hasn't really gone into that. Right. I hope. Although Fusion GPS was involved in peddling the Alpha Bank secret communication stuff as well as the dossier. I was just wondering if, you know, and how Glenn Simpson has managed to escape 
uh, prosecution is beyond me, as I set forth in in both my books. Um, he lied yeah. to yeah. Congress, yeah. and and yeah, and then eventually he followed his counsel and clammed up and invoked the fifth. But right. uh, how he's managed to escape criminal prosecution to me is is beyond. Or Mark me. Elias or yeah. Baker or well, maybe Adam. Elias will be. I think Elias will. I mean, Matt. I think we can both agree that he's toast at this point. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it looks to me like Durham, if he succeeds against Sussman, he'll go after Elias. I think so. I think even if he doesn't, he should. It's his obligation to. Um, but we'll see. We'll I want to uh, talk a little bit more about your lawsuit. It's a racketeering RICO lawsuit, mm-hmm. Racketeering mm-hmm. Influence Corrupt Act. Yeah. Um, and what you allege, as you must in a racketeering case, is that there is a criminal enterprise uh, that is devoted to, to crimes. Here it would be what? Uh, conspiracy to defraud the government, obstruction of justice, injurious falsehoods. Florida has this um, different claim, which I'm not a Florida-based attorney. I'm admitted pro hoc vice, but um, you know they have this great claim called injurious falsehood, which is not defamation. It's a little bit more narrow, but it's effectively that you're going after somebody to hurt them in their job. And his job as a politician was the focus, the sole focus, in my opinion, of Hillary Clinton's. Uh, bane of her existence. She wanted to destroy him politically. I think she still does. And so does the DNC until he, you know, if, if I always tell my client, if you want all this to end, just say you're not going to run in 24 and this will all be over. You know, it, it's sad, but that's right. really the claim. It's that they were dancing around. And I do think for my case, despite whether Sussman is, um, you know, goes to jail, whatever, whatever verdict they come out of this. I can tell you from my case, I've found so much information through this trial and I'm greatly appreciative for yeah. it because any question of statute of limitations, any question as yeah. to the intricacies, the payments, the um, in- interworkings of this RICO criminal style mob boss enterprise was completely quashed through this, in my opinion. I yeah. mean, we heard it. She, the minute Mook said, she said, go ahead. She didn't know. She paid. She just wanted it dead. It's a mob. Yeah. It's not okay. It is not. Um, and you're smart to sit in on this trial. Good lawyers realize that they can uh, gain a great deal of insight and evidence by sitting in on other trials that are related to their own. Too many don't do it. And so mm-hmm. you're smart smart to do it. Thank you. Um, so uh, let me talk a little bit about uh, Comey's misfeasance and lying <laughs> to the FISA court because it came out in court yesterday uh, by one of the FBI agents who said there is an ongoing investigation and he's, he's the target of the investigation for mm-hmm. lying to the FISA court, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the last FISA warrant um, in particular, was overturned, we know, by a judge. And Comey, look, to me, there's no secret that Comey lied numerous times. The fact that he even took his notes shows an indication of deceit, in malintent, you know, all those things that the head of the FBI, and we spoke about this last night, that the head of the FBI should not embody. You should be impartial you, it doesn't matter how you vote. It doesn't matter if you're a diehard Republican or a diehard Democrat. You cannot take those biases into the courtroom and into your job. 
Comey is part of this investigation because it's clear and it's been referred to as the seventh floor, as you've heard. They keep saying the seventh floor, the seventh floor of the FBI is where Peter Strzok, Baker, Comey, McCabe, all of them work. It's the C-suite of the FBI. And they right. all knew and hid identities. So I'm really thrilled, frankly, to hear that even the agents in Chicago have been investigated. And we learned that today with Curtis Heidi and um, Allison Sands, I believe. But Curtis Heidi said today he found out he was a subject of an investigation himself because they thought he was holding back exculpatory evidence, as you know, which would show and prove very easily that you are or are not guilty. Um, that that's what this is about. So I do have some hope. I have to say, I, I tend to still be a bit positive. Perhaps it's my well, youth, but I, I'd like to think there's it some It is hope. your youth. You need to be uh, <laughs> old and cynical like me. me. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm old and cynical. Well, I'm old because I'm old, but I'm cynical uh, <laughs> because I've seen people like uh, James Comey get away with this stuff. I mean, there was a criminal referral against Comey and the DOJ decided not to pursue the case. And the evidence is so abundantly clear. I mean, this is a guy, he knew that uh, Peter, to, that Christopher Steele was unreliable and that his dossier was filled with lies. I mean, that was established by the FBI early on. And nevertheless, in the face of all that, he goes to the FISA court and he swears that the information is reliable and that... Uh, uh, Christopher Steele is credible when he knew mm -hmm. that both were untrue. Now, if I'm a judge, I would be so angry. I would hold Comey and Andrew McCabe and all the others who signed off on this. I would hold them in criminal contempt of court. Yeah. And then I would send a, an official request to the Department of Justice that in addition to my own actions, holding them in criminal contempt, uh, that they prosecute them for yes. lying under oath. To right. the FBI. I mean, that's a to the FISA court. That's a crime. Right. Right. In any court, that's a crime. It's absurd. Don't forget something. Uh, James Comey, I mean, lied in Congress. These people have conflicting testimony to congressional testimony that is used as impeachment evidence in this case consistently. They should all be in contempt. Meanwhile, Donald Trump's being held in contempt in uh, the attorney general's investigation because they didn't like how I defined where the file cabinet was. I mean, it's absurd. Right. And, and that is the fear that I have, is that no matter how much clear evidence is put forward, um, you know, we're going to get a biased jury, unfortunately. All right. Alina Haba, um, thank you so much for being with us, attorney for Donald Trump, uh, who has been inside this federal courtroom in Washington, D.C. for the trial of Michael Sussman, uh, you and I will be talking uh, together on Hannity yeah. uh, in the days ahead as we await a verdict. Thanks so much for being yeah. with us. Thank you for having me, Greg. I appreciate it. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.